Part one, chapter twelve of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Benyon and Malevsky. Part one, chapter twelve. When they alighted before the house of Petronius, the chief of the hall informed him that none of the slaves sent to the gates had as yet returned. He had given orders that food should be brought them, and that on the penalty of a flogging they should carefully watch all who left the city. See, said Petronius, they are still within the city, and we cannot fail to find them. Give orders to thy slaves also that they watch the city gates, selecting those especially who formed Lygia's escort, for they will easily recognize her. I have given orders that those slaves should be sent to my country estates, answered Vinitius, but I will recall my orders and send them to the gates. When he had written a few words on a tablet covered with wax, he handed the tablet to Petronius, who ordered it sent immediately to the house of Vinitius. Then they entered the inner portico, and sitting on a marble bench began to converse. The golden-haired Eunice and Iris placed bronze footstools beneath their feet, and moving a table near the bench, poured wine into goblets out of beautiful, long-necked jars imported from Volaterrae and Caecina do any of thy slaves know this gigantic lygian asked petronius only atacinus and gulo knew him but atacinus was killed beside the litter and i slew gulo i am sorry for him said petronius he carried in his arms not only thee but me also i was going to free him replied vinitius but let that rest let us speak of lygia rome is a sea a sea is a place in which to find pearls we shall not find her to-day of course nor to-morrow but sooner or later we shall find her just now thou didst reproach me for having advised thee to take the course which thou didst but the advice in itself was good it became bad because of unfavourable circumstances besides thou thyself hast heard from aulus that he intends to go to sicily with all his family so lygia would in any event have been far away from thee i should have followed her replied vinitius and in any case she would have been out of danger but now if this infant dies poppaea will believe and will persuade caesar to believe that lygia caused the death true this thought has alarmed me also but the little doll may get well if it dies we shall find some means of escape petronius after a moment's thought added poppaea it is said believes in the faith of the jews and in evil spirits caesar is superstitious if we spread the rumour that lygia has been carried away by evil spirits it will be believed since neither caesar nor aulus have carried her off therefore it will be believed that she was spirited away the lygian could not have rescued her alone it is evident that others helped him but how could a slave collect so many people in a day in rome slaves help one another but some one pays for it with blood true they help one another but not when it is against the interest of other slaves on this occasion it was known that your slaves would be held responsible and punished if thou give thy slaves the idea of evil spirits they will assert that they saw them with their own eyes for this would justify them before thee ask any one of them if he did not see lygia borne through the air and he will swear at once by the aegis of zeus that this was just what happened vinitius who was himself superstitious looked with awe at petronius and said if ursus could not get slaves to help him and was not able to take her alone who did take her petronius laughed see said he how can they disbelieve if thou believest such is our world which laughs at the gods all will believe and cease searching for her and meantime we will hide her in one of our villas but who could have helped her 
her co-religionists answered petronius what co-religionists what deity do they worship i ought to know better than thou nearly every roman woman worships a different deity doubtless pomponia has brought up lygia to worship the deity which she adores but what deity this is i do not know one thing is certain no one has seen her make offerings to any god in our temples she has been accused even of being a christian but this is not possible a secret investigation cleared her from this charge it is said that christians not only worship the head of an ass but that they are enemies of the human race and that they revel in the most terrible crimes consequently pomponia cannot be a christian for she is a good woman were she a hater of humanity she would not treat her slaves so kindly in no house are they so well treated as in that of aulus answered vinicius pomponia told me of a god who was one powerful and merciful what she has done with all the other gods is her affair but this logos of hers cannot be very powerful or rather he must be a poor kind of god if he is worshipped only by pomponia and lygia and ursus it may be that there are more adherents of this god and they assisted lygia their faith commands forgiveness said vinicius in actia's chamber i met pomponia and she said to me may god forgive you the wrong you have done to lygia and to us evidently their god is a very mild being let him forgive thee then and as a sign of his forgiveness let him restore the maiden to thee i would offer him a hecatomb to-morrow i have desire neither for food nor sleep nor for the bath i shall put on dark raiment and wander through the city perhaps i shall find her in disguise i am sick petronius gazed at him compassionately there were dark streaks beneath the eyes of vinicius his pupils were bright with fever his unshaven beard made a bluish shade over his jaw his hair was disordered he looked indeed like a sick man iris and the golden-haired eunice gazed at him also with commiseration but he seemed not to notice them neither he nor petronius paid any more attention to the presence of the slave-women than if they were dogs moving about the room thou art feverish said petronius yes hearken i know not what a physician would prescribe for thee but i know what i would do in thy place till lygia is found i would replace the lost one with a substitute i have seen beautiful women in thy house contradict me not i know what love is and i know that if love is provoked by one woman another cannot satisfy it nevertheless a beautiful slave will afford at least a temporary distraction i do not wish it replied vinicius but petronius who was sincerely attached to him and who was anxious to relieve his suffering began to consider how this might best be done perhaps thy slaves do not possess for thee the charm of novelty said he he glanced first at iris and then at eunice at last he laid his hand on the hip of the golden-haired grecian and resumed look at this nymph but a few days ago the young fonteus capiton offered for her three beautiful boys from clazomime scopus himself has not chiselled a more beautiful form i cannot tell why i have been cold to her since thoughts of chrysothemis have not restrained me here i give her to thee take her when the golden-haired eunice heard these words she grew white as a sheet looking with frightened eyes at vinicius she seemed benumbed while she awaited his answer but the young soldier sprang up from the bench and pressing his temples with his hands began to speak hurriedly as a man who tormented by pain does not wish to listen to any soothing words no no i do not care for her i do not care for any other woman i thank thee but i do not want her i am going to search for lygia throughout the city have a gallic cloak with a hood brought to me i shall go to the trans tiber oh if i can succeed merely in seeing ursus 
then he withdrew hurriedly petronius seeing that he could not stay still in any one place did not attempt to detain him taking his refusal as a manifestation of a temporary aversion for all women except lygia but wishing still to be generous he said turning to eunice eunice bathe thyself anoint thy body with perfumes then dress and go to the house of vinitius the grecian woman fell on her knees and stretching out her hands implored him not to send her away from his house she would not go to vinitius she would prefer to carry wood to the furnaces of the baths of petronius than to be the chief servant in that of vinitius she would not she could not go she implored him for pity let him have her flogged daily but let him not send her away from his house trembling like a leaf with fear and excitement eunice extended her imploring hands to petronius who listened with astonishment a slave woman who dared to answer a command with a prayer declaring i will not and i cannot was something so unheard of in rome that petronius could not believe his ears finally he frowned he was too refined to be cruel he gave more freedom to his slaves than other masters demanding only that they should render good service and honor his will like that of a god but if his slaves violated either of these requirements petronius had them punished in the usual fashion besides he could not endure opposition or anything that ruffled his peace of mind so he looked at the kneeling slave and said call teresius and return with him she arose trembling with tears in her eyes and retired returning soon with the chief of the hall servants the cretan tiresias take eunice said petronius and give her twenty-five lashes but in such a way as not to disfigure her skin then he went into his library and sitting at the rose-colored marble table he commenced work on his feast of trimalchion but lygia's escape and the illness of the little augusta distracted his thoughts so much that he did not work long the important question at present was the illness of the infant petronius saw that if caesar believed lygia to have bewitched the young augusta the blame might fall on him also for the maiden had been brought to the palace at his request but he hoped that as soon as he saw caesar he would convince him of the absurdity of such a supposition he relied somewhat also on a certain weakness which poppaea had for him a weakness which she had not succeeded in concealing from him after a time he shrugged his shoulders having convinced himself that his fears were groundless and he decided to take his meal in the dining-hall after that he would go in his litter to the palace next to the campus martius and finally to chrysothemus on his way to the dining-hall at the entrance to the corridor assigned to the slaves petronius noticed the shapely figure of eunice forgetting that he had given no order to tiresias beyond that of flogging her he frowned and looked around for that official not seeing tiresias among the slaves he turned to eunice hast thou been flogged yes master i have been flogged oh yes master joy and gratitude blended in her voice she evidently thought that the punishment had been given in place of sending her away from the house and that now she might remain petronius seeing this marvelled at the passionate resistance of the slave he was too deep a student in human nature not to understand that only love could call forth such resistance dost thou love some one in this house she looked at him with her blue eyes dim with tears and answered in a voice so low that it could scarcely be heard yes master eunice with her wonderful eyes with her golden hair flowing down her back with an expression of hope and fear upon her face was so beautiful that petronius who as a philosopher recognized the power of love and as an aesthete rendered homage to all beauty felt pity for the slave 
whom of these dost thou love he inquired turning towards the slaves no answer came eunice bent her head down to his very feet and remained motionless as a statue petronius looked around at the slaves among whom were some beautiful and shapely youths none of the faces explained anything to him he saw only strange smiles he looked again at eunice who was lying at his feet and then went on in silence to the dining-hall when he had eaten he gave orders that he should be carried to the palace and from there to chrysothemis where he remained until late in the night on his return he summoned tiresias didst thou punish eunice yes master but thou didst command me not to disfigure her skin did i give any other command no master answered the slave with alarm very good whom of the slaves does she love none master what dost thou know about her tiresias answered in an uncertain voice eunice does not leave the bedroom at night in which she lives with old acrisiona and ephida after thou art dressed she never goes to the bathrooms other slaves laugh at her and call her diana enough said petronius my relative vinitius to whom i offered her this morning did not want her hence she may remain here thou mayest go may i speak master a few more words concerning eunice i commanded thee to tell all thou knowest about her the entire household is talking about the escape of the maiden who was to dwell in the house of vinitius after thy departure eunice came to me and said that she knew a man who could find this maiden who is this man asked petronius i do not know him master but i thought i ought to tell thee about the matter tis well let that man await to-morrow the arrival of the tribune whom in my name thou wilt summon hither the slave bowed and departed the thoughts of petronius dwelt on eunice it was clear to him that the young slave-woman wished vinitius to find lygia so that she should not be compelled to be her substitute in the house of the tribune it occurred to him that the man whom she had proposed for the search might be her lover somehow this thought hurt him it would not be difficult to get at the truth he had only to summon eunice but it was now late and petronius feeling weary after his long visit to the house of chrysothemis desired to sleep on the way to his chamber he recalled for some unknown reason that he had noticed wrinkles that day in the corners of chrysothemis's eyes it came to his mind also that her reputation for beauty was greater than she deserved and that fonteus capiton who had offered three boys for eunice wished to buy her too cheaply End of part one chapter twelve